0: Excited to be here. During worship, uh, I believe that God gave me a word for somebody, and I'm going to be obedient to that. just happens to be for Pastor Jayon Radine. As I was uh, worshiping, I felt like God dropped this into my heart. Um, You all know the the story of of the parable of the, the talents. Matthew 25, 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying... Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I believe as we have our last weekend here at the fairgrounds, I believe God wants to honor you too for the faithfulness of, of his people this person it was talents but we know that with you and your heart and what God has called you to do it's all about people you tell us that all the time it's all about people and I believe that the Holy Spirit wanted to honor you too tonight as we move into our new building God has blessed you with more because you've been faithful in the small things and it's not going to end there and I just believe would you guys please join me in thanking our pastor It's not my heart to embarrass you, but uh, to God be the glory, and I, I was going to be obedient. Um, Debbie sends her love to all of you. <sighs> oh, she wanted me to convey to you how much she loves you, how thankful she is for all of your prayers. And um, so um, please, please know that God is doing an amazing thing down there. God sent his best to prepare the soil, and that happens to be my beautiful wife, so um, anyway, Debbie sends her love. My sermon is called The Longest Night. When I found out I was going to have the opportunity to be able to, to share with you tonight, I realized that this was, this was a special moment, and... Um, I believe that uh, the longest night is what I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart as the title and you know we, we, we think about the longest night and it, it sounds rather ominous and yet I believe that tonight the longest night is going to be met by the sweetest name. And that name is Jesus. And I believe that God is coming to meet you in your longest night. Sometimes it's a night. Sometimes it's a month. Sometimes it's, it's years and years. But Jesus wants to meet you there. And I believe that tonight is going to be something that he's going to do inside of you. And I just want to let you know, I want, I want you to prepare your heart. I want you to prepare your heart. Because I believe that God is going to come and meet you very powerfully tonight. The same way he did with the children of Israel on the night before they left Egypt. Just as I said earlier, this has been no Egypt. This has been a beautiful thing, and yet we're still waiting to enter, right? And that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow. Please bow your heads. God, we are so thankful for your provision. We are so thankful that you made a way for us here at, at, at the fairgrounds, God. What a beautiful time this has been of us just... just absolutely digging in, and and God, getting to know who you are better, submitting ourselves to your plans and to your wills, and not not pressing our way, God, not not making our way your way, but making yours ours, God. We continue to submit to you, God, and we say, have your way. God, I pray that every single person here, that, that their heart, that they have ears to hear and eyes to see what it is that you would speak to them tonight, God. We pray grace, grace over this. We commit this time to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, if you guys have ever heard me preach before, I like, I, I like history, and I, like to, I do a lot of teaching in my preaching. So, The Longest Night actually started over 400 years before that actual evening, uh, when they, before they left Egypt. It started with a man named Abram. Now, God entered into a covenant with Abram, and, and when God did that, God promised him that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky. Enter Abram's grandson, Joseph. Well, you know Joseph's story. He got sold into slavery. And and Joseph's longest night ended up being well over a decade. And yet he found himself in second in command in Egypt. And God brought him there for a reason. So, um, just as God had promised... Abram, who then became Abraham, that God was going to multiply his descendants. It occurred in this land called Goshen. See, see, Joseph saved the the, the tribe of Israel from the famine. Joseph ended up saving two nations. And so all of these people migrated, and they moved to the land of Goshen right next to egypt. Now now joseph had had favor with Pharaoh; he was second in command. Pharaoh loved Joseph and and welcomed joseph 's family. But over time, as as the children of Israel continued to multiply and multiply as God promised that they would, and the king that Joseph served under died, then the new Pharaoh started to become afraid because the children of Israel were, were outnumbering the Egyptians. And so they did evilly in the sight of the Lord, and they made them, they made the, the children of Israel to serve them as slaves. They, they Essentially, they made them uh, work for them. So it says, Exodus chapter 2, uh, verses 23 through 25. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. You know what I hear? I hear us groaning because of our bondage. And what I see four times is God, 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 God. God remembers. God looks. God acknowledges. You know, when you're in your longest night, and some of you may say, Don, you don't know. It's been been the longest lifetime. But I want you to know the God that made the covenant with Abraham, he's the same God of today. And when it says God remembered the covenant he made with them, God made a covenant with you as well, and God remembers that covenant. Your groanings don't go unheard. Your prayers don't go unheard. Now you may think, well, God didn't answer my prayer the way I I thought he would. There's an old Garth Brooks song. Does anybody remember that? Thank God for unanswered prayers. How many times, had, if God had answered the prayers the way we we thought that He should have, we'd have ended up in disaster. At your very core, you have to know how much God loves you. If God withholds something from you, you have to know it's for your good and for your benefit. Never confuse God as being cruel because he withholds something from you. God knows best. And he loves you beyond your your imagination. You can't fathom the depth of the Father's love for you. We'll see later the depths that he goes. Exodus chapter 4. So God, God heard. He remembered. So Moses told Aaron all of the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. You know, we hear a good sermon. We see a few signs and wonders, and we're safely tucked inside these four walls on a Saturday night, and, man, we feel really good about bowing and worshiping God. It's really easy to worship God when things feel right. But what about, what about when it's the longest night? What about when you don't see signs? What happens then? Is he no longer worthy? Of our worship and praise? Oh, gosh. That's when we need to be down on our knees, surrendering ourselves to him. It's easy to surrender to God when things are going well. Why is it we fight against God when things aren't going the way we think they should? That's when we need to surrender. That's when we need to talk of his goodness. That's when we need to remind ourselves. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, who better than you to remind yourself? Why aren't you speaking life over yourself? Why aren't you talking about the word of God? Why aren't you quoting scripture? I loved how Cody says, we are more than conquerors. Why aren't you stirring yourself up? You want somebody else to come along and stir you up? Well, I'm sorry. We're all out of stirrers. I guess you're just going to have to do it yourself. Do you not have a Bible? Do you not know how to read? Why don't you get in the Word of God and start to see who you are in Christ Jesus? Why don't you stop relying on somebody else to come and spoon feed you and you get in the Word and feed yourself? God has given you the Word. You have it. Don't, don't get angry with God because you don't know who you are in Christ. And he says, but I've given you everything you need. It's in my word. Yes. Amen. Get mad at yourself. <laughs> so, Exodus 6, chapter 2. It's not on the Sky Bible. Um, and God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. The Hebrew there is Jehovah. Jehovah. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. That Hebrew is El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. You see, they'd known him as El Shaddai, Almighty God, but they hadn't really known him as a personal God. And so what he's saying is, I'm now coming to them as a personal God, as a covenant-making and keeping God Jehovah they knew else should I, the Almighty God, but now He wanted them to know Him in a more intimate and loving way. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I want you guys to listen, because I really believe that this is a now word for you. I want you to grab a hold of this, because God, this covenant that existed then is still in place today. We, as as children of God, it says that we are also children of Abraham, and therefore, the covenant of Abraham is still in existence for you today. So... I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. God is still giving that today. Isn't that beautiful? Signs, wonders. God had sent the deliverer. Verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of the anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Hmm. How often? Do we not hear the truth spoken to us because of, because of the anguish, because of the bondage? And yet it's exactly what we need to hear. You know, sometimes, sometimes you know, they say words cut. Well, words can cut change too right. when it's the name of Jesus. And when people are speaking truth to you, don't, don't buck up against God. These children of Israel, man, they're setting a bad precedence right here. The man of God spoke. This is what their groanings had been crying out for. God sends a man of God and and promises these things to them. But they did not heed Moses because of the anguish of spirit. Just just a couple chapters before we read, the, the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God. And yet, they chose to not heed the one that god sent them <laughs> you know and i tell you maybe it, maybe it's because you know moses disqualified himself you know maybe they knew ah oh, this is the guy that murdered the uh, you know, the egyptian maybe it maybe it's because they had become mixed from all of the years in egypt where they saw all these false gods Maybe maybe there was mixture regardless when God sent the man and he sent the miracles they didn't heed it's really easy for us now to sit in judgment of the children of Israel some 3000 years later yet how many times do we find ourselves on the verge of our deliverance and we rush back to the bondage not because it's good well, because it's familiar. Yeah. There's such a thing as a as a comfortable prison. You know, as, as harsh as a taskmaster as the Egyptians were. They knew what to expect. What what happens? What happens if I if I give up everything, everything that I know to go follow some guy? deliverer? I don't know. And yet, the same thing with Jesus. He's our deliverer. That's right. And when he said to the disciples, follow me, they had a choice at that moment. Just as the children of Israel had a choice at that moment. You know, they didn't have to follow. That's right. Praise God that they did. You know, they declared the God of Israel but was he really their God a declaration of an almighty God but a fear of his goodness and his trustworthiness maybe that was because they didn't know him as Jehovah yet and yet here he was wanting to love on them and show them who he was you know I know you guys have heard it It, it, it's been said that it took one day to get the children of Israel out of Egypt but 40 years to get Egypt out of the children of Israel. How long have you been washed in the blood and you're still dealing with bondages from your past, from your Egypt? I believe that tonight, sons and daughters of the Most High God, I believe that tonight is a night where you're going to exit your Egypt. I believe that. I believe that. How often we have doubted God's intentions because of the anguish of spirit and the cruel bondage we've been under. Because of this lack of faith in God's goodness and intentions toward them, they were actually affected by the first three plagues that God sent to Egypt. So many times, God sends something into our lives to shake us awake. Oh, that we would simply always understand That he is good. We can't allow it anymore to be our natural reaction when things don't go right to wonder where God is. Stop it. God is a good God. If he would send his son to die for you, why would he then withhold his love and his goodness from you? If we pause for a moment... We know that that doesn't make sense. And yet when we start to struggle, that's, that's our natural tendency, our reaction. We have to fight against our humanity to believe in a God that we can't see. And yet time and time again, every single person in this room, every single person in this room has a testimony of his goodness, has a testimony of his deliverance. And I believe that tomorrow, more of you will have a Testimony. There was something in the heart of the children of Israel that needed to be dealt with. God wanted to not only be their El Shaddai, their almighty God, but Jehovah, their personal, intimate, covenant-making God. So we start to see the uh, story unfold between Moses and Pharaoh. God, in a glorious display of his power, goes to battle on behalf of his people. So again, the first three plagues affected the children of Israel. The water in the whole land... Becomes blood. Not just the water in the river, water in pots became blood. So understand that the children of Israel weren't protected from this, from the frogs and the lice. Now, you have to understand that the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Here in this situation, there was something inside the hearts of the children of Israel that God was trying to. Trying to deal with. Pastor Jay has said it many times. Being Christian doesn't mean that everything is peachy all the time. Sometimes we see the plagues and wonder where God is in our lives. Just last week we read in James chapter 1: My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Bloody f- water, frogs, and lice, and all of a sudden, God, where are you? How is your faith being tested? Are you counting at all joy? What is God perfecting and completing in you? I think sometimes we look at these trials through Pharaoh's eyes instead of the eyes of faith. I think you need to start guarding your heart jealously because God wants you to lack nothing and therefore allows us to go through trials. Pharaoh summoned wise men to try and disprove the might of God. It says time and time again that Pharaoh hardened his heart. In our stories, yours, mine, I think sometimes we're Moses and sometimes we're Pharaoh. We even see Moses struggling with doubt and God's ability to work through him. Don't think, that, don't think that, that, that you have to have all your, your stuff together in order for God to use you. Look, look at Moses. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God corrects him. I will certainly be with you. You oh, Moses, Moses, Moses. <laughs> Settle down, settle down. It's not you. I will be with you. So the thing that you believe disqualifies you for the work of of the ministry, the thing that you believe disqualifies you to be able to speak to your family and friends, the thing that you believe that disqualifies you from going and praying for somebody is the very thing that God says, I will certainly be with you. Don't Don't listen to the lies anymore. Don't let the enemy steal opportunities for God to shine through you. Ambassadors, Every one of us has been called to be an ambassador. There's oh, there's so much destiny in this room. Do you know the things that God wants to do when you would just say yes to him? Stop saying I can't and start saying God I will and then you need to do it. When God sends you to your coworker and he says I want you to go pray for them. God. I just see God up there going. Hmm. So you tell me you want me to use you. And then when I say, I want you to go pray for so-and-so, you sit there and you, you argue with me about it. What's it going to be, people? Are we going to be people of faith? Are we going to be those that that's, when we tell God, God, I want you to send me. And he says, go, that we shrink back. There's destiny in this room. There are things that God has foreordained and he's just waiting for you to say, okay, God, I'm ready. Get those chains off of you. It's hard to run when you're in bondage. God doesn't want that stuff on you anymore. God, when Jesus is all over you, you don't need, you don't need the comfort of those, those bondages. You don't need it. Jesus died to set you free don't go back, don't go back. There's beauty in the unknown. I just feel like that there are people here tonight, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't be afraid. You've felt the promptings, you've heard me speaking to you, you've heard me leading you by the hand, and when I come to you, you're afraid. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying, don't be afraid anymore. Don't be afraid anymore. What do you have to be afraid of? The God of the universe is with you and he is for you. But do you believe it? Do you really believe? Crystal, do you really believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? I know you do. Amy, there's destiny in you. Don't allow the world to define what God has said is beautiful. God is sending you. Don't be afraid. Just say yes. It's that three little word, yes. If we keep saying yes to God, he'll keep moving inside of us. Just keep saying yes to God and he will keep moving inside of you. This may be the longest night if I keep doing this. (laughs) Now we start to see God create a clear line between the Egyptians and the children of Israel. We beautifully see a display of the Lord's love for his people. I'm reminded of Psalms 91 and God's promise to us a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but I shall, but it shall not come near you only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked I, I think this is beautiful because the seven remaining plagues only affected the Egyptians it did not touch the children of Israel only with their eyes did they observe the flies all livestock became diseased and died the Egyptians suffered boils there was hail and fire locusts there was dark Darkness over the face of the earth for three days, and then the last, the tenth death of all firstborn throughout the land. We now find ourselves on the eve of the liberation of the children of Israel from hundreds of years of bondage. But this, in fact, will be the longest night. You might think that after all they'd been through and seen, that anything else would be easy. But this, like like no other time before, was truly a matter of life and death. You see, the tenth plague required faith and action on their part. But God made a way to escape. On the night before the, the exodus, the children of Israel were given instructions. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month... Every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's needs, you shall make your count for the lamb. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. God was very clear about what needed to occur. This was prior to the the tenth plague had been spoken. We knew what was going to happen. It required something. This one required something from the children of Israel. It required obedience. And I love how it says that the lamb, it didn't matter the size of the, of the household. The lamb was enough. It said if the house was too small, get a couple households together. You know, it's never about the size of the sacrifice. The sacrifice is sufficient. We'll see that later. Exodus 12, 11, and thus you shall eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So here they are. They're, they're, they're doing what they, you know, they did the uh, Ten Commandments is one of my favorite movies. Charlton Heston. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's, I just, I get this image. Um, so some of you have been over to my house and watched that four-hour movie, but so they they were to follow these instructions. But it was very clear they were to eat this in haste, and they were to be ready. Are you ready when when God says, "Hey, it's tonight's the night. Tonight's the night that the freedom comes. Tonight's the night when when the chains are broken. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive? Not everybody's ready." That sounds silly, but not everybody's ready because of the fear, because they're just not quite sure that God is really that good. I mean, why would he? Why would he set me free? Don, if you knew the things that I'd done, I'm not talking about whether you deserve it or not. I'm talking about his goodness. I'm talking about his grace. I'm not talking about your goodness. I'm talking about his goodness. That's what we've got to focus on. We've got to focus on his goodness. If it was up to our goodness, we would all be going to hell in a handbasket. And it wouldn't be a nice handbasket. It'd be lovely. Where did that even come from? Hell in a handbasket. I don't know. Of all the ten plagues, this is the only one that required a response or an action from the children of Israel. And every family had a choice. Men, I really felt as I was preparing that the Holy Spirit was challenging you men to take care of your household. You know, God didn't come to the the mamas and say, hey mama, I want you to go pick out a lamb. God came to the men. And I really, it's not in my notes, but the Holy Spirit just reminded me, men, we're the ones that have to, to bring the blood of Jesus to our family. We're the ones that have to cover them. We're the ones that have to, to do the preparation. We're the ones that have to speak truth and life into our families. Yeah, God's going God's to gonna take care of it if you don't, but you are called to do that for your family. Can I get an Amen. Faith always comes down to a choice. The children of Israel were obedient and offered the sacrifice, and it says that the destroyer passed over them. I find it interesting that what nine plagues could not do, the blood did. Until they put the blood of the lamb on their doors, they would not be free. The blood is a picture of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. So what if some of the children of Israel chose not to put the blood on the doorposts and the lentil? What would have happened? Well, What if they were really good people, though? I mean, they gave to the charities of Goshen, and they never read, ran a, a red light in their camel, and, you know, they were, they were really moral people. What would have happened that night? Death. They would have died. They could have been the sweetest, nicest, most giving people in the world, and without the blood, they would have died. The same is true today. That's right. oh. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. The blood of Jesus that brought freedom over 2,000 years ago was still flowing, still washing, still cleansing, and still covering. Amen. But even with the blood, it doesn't mean that circumstances won't be screaming at us. Exodus 11, verse 6, Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. So many times in our longest nights, we can hear the screaming all around us, the waves, the wind. We even see the effects of the plague. And yet, all night long, The children of Israel would have heard the death screams of every firstborn, both human and animal, of the Egyptians. The outcome of our longest nights are often determined not by what, but by rather who we choose to focus on. Put yourself in their shoes. Close your eyes for a moment and imagine that all you could hear around you were the death screams of the Egyptians. You, you could have sat in fear all night long and wondered, oh my gosh, I hope the blood is enough. Oh wow, I hope the blood is enough. I hope the blood is enough. You could have, you could have lived in fear, you could have cowered all night during that longest night. Oh I sure hope. I sure hope that the blood was enough. I sure hope that the blood was enough. Or you could have lived in peace that night. You could have praised God. You could have have realized that it's never about if the blood is enough. The blood is more than enough. The question is, is do you believe in the blood? Do you know who Jesus is and what he did for you? Do you believe that he died to cover your sins and that his blood was enough? You don't have to keep going back and going back and going back. He only had to die once. It was enough. It was enough for you and it was enough for me. Stop crucifying yourself. Christ died for you. God just wants to love you. God doesn't want you to be some whipping post because you feel the need to constantly crucify yourself. God sent Jesus to die for you. Gosh, just let God love you. What's the worst that could happen? I mean, we kind of chuckle, we we, kind of laugh, and yet there are people that really struggle with allowing God to love them. I say this all the time, and it's not trite to me. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit revealed it to me one time when I was praying for someone. But you know what, Becca, if you were the only person on the face of the earth, God still would have sent Jesus to die just for you. You know, we somehow believe that we we got in under the wire, and and you know nobody's looking. I'm just gonna I'm gonna sneak in on this. No, 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 no. That's not how God works. God chose you. That's the the measure of the Father's love. Don't doubt that that you're just a part of a whole. You are one. You are God's special possession. God loves you so much. He sent His Son to die for you. Let Him love you. Let Him love you tonight. Stop, Stop looking at yourself. Start looking at your your God. You know, when God looks at you, do you understand that he looks at you through the lens of the cross? Everything that Jesus did and completed, everything that Jesus went through, God looks at you and he sees Jesus all over you. He doesn't doesn't see all of your failures and your flaws. In fact, in Hebrews, it says that God forgets it and he remembers it no more. What is God setting you free from tonight? What are you going to be able to do tomorrow? I'm excited. I'm excited for you. There's a new day ahead. During the longest night, Two choices could have been made, a choice to cower in fear and doubt that the blood covering would really work, or we have a choice to have faith and count it all joy, knowing that the blood is more than enough. You see, the effectiveness of the blood isn't dependent upon us. It's dependent on the blood. God promised them life then, and he has promised us life and life more abundantly now. Either either the blood of Jesus was perfect or it's all a sham. It's one or the other, people. It is absolutely one or the other. You know, the, the truth of God is very black and white. Either the blood was enough and the blood of Jesus, just one drop, just one drop of the blood of Jesus is enough to wash away every sin, every shame, every guilt, every fear. One drop perfect, sinless blood. You see, the blood is always enough. It's not the size of the lamb, it's the size of our faith in our God. Does God love the believer who's overcome disease and addiction and gained freedom more than the believer who lives in bondage? No. Acts 10, 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. If it isn't God, then it has to be our understanding of him. Our understanding of the blood and who we are and what we've been given. So let's take a closer look at the blood. The Passover is a beautiful foreshadowing of our perfect and spotless lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Passover is now our communion. When Jesus did that, that, the Last Supper... This was something that was foreshadowed with the children of Israel. You see the correlation there? And our communion is a remembrance of what has already been done. Even before that night came to pass, God declared victory by telling Moses that this was to be instituted as a memorial and an everlasting ordinance. God was declaring victory before it was realized because that's what God does. God knows how the story ends. So God told Moses before they were freed that they were going to do this and it was going to be a memorial and an everlasting ordinance because of the victory God was going to give them. You know, when we read in Isaiah, it talks about by his stripes we are healed. But when we see it in Peter, you know what it says? By his stripes we were Because it's past tense. Because it was done when Jesus was beaten and died on the cross. You need to start understanding it's a past tense deliverance that God has given to you. It's already been done. It's washed under the blood. 1 Peter 1. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ... As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. We're almost done. You can be a blood covered Christian your whole life and still fret and worry and hope that it's enough, or you can live a faith filled life. Both of those believers are washed in the blood. You choose. Are you going to be the one that lives in peace knowing that the blood's enough? Are you going to be the one that's constantly constantly living in fear because you're just not sure about God's goodness? This isn't some power of positive thinking gimmick. We're talking about fully surrendering our intellect, our power and our strength. When we start to acknowledge his power and his might, that is when we stop trying to overcome by our might. Zechariah 4, six. so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In fact, Revelations 12.11, and they overcame by what? The blood of the lamb. Not by power, not by might. You're not going to overcome your flesh by your flesh. Amen. Amen. It takes the blood, which means we have to surrender. We have to allow ourselves to be washed in that. Millions and millions of believers are still overcoming by the blood of the lamb. There's room for more. I believe that tonight is the night you start overcoming. I think we need to live our whole life ready. Remember verse 11, and thus you shall eat it With a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I think Ephesians 6 is how I want to spend my longest night. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You need to go through life ready. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith which, with, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Seth, you can come on up. So as we close on the longest night, I'm reminded of the Psalm of David, Psalm 30. Psalm 30. Verse 5, for his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. As the children of Israel walked through those blood-stained doorways for the last time, it was a time of joy. It was a time of remembering God's faithfulness. You know, I, I, I believe that God sent us here to to wash the fairgrounds in the blood of Jesus. I believe God sent us here to share his love and his goodness. And I tell you what, this dirt will never be the same. This dirt will never be the same. Amen. Amen. The exit plan was simply follow God. But as you know, it wasn't that simple. I encourage you to come back tomorrow to hear Pastor J.O.'s sermon on the exit plan. Would you please stand to your feet? Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I think for some of us that that have never really known the love of Jesus you know, I, I, it's funny. I, I, when we were in Mexico with the interns, and this was at, a, a, this was at a, 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 a pastor's conference. These pastors were coming in to get backpacks to take back to their villages. And, and, and Pastor Greg did an altar call, and I thought, but these are pastors. They should be born again. And you know what I found? I found that there were a lot of people that didn't really know they, 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 they knew Jesus up here, but they'd never really surrendered. They knew him intellectually. Clark, I, I, I didn't know that there would be the people out there that, that serve the Lord that, that, that weren't actually born again.